this is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. Welcome to Heroes Garage. This is a special episode. Typically, we are reviewing and previewing science fiction, fantasy, horror, and superhero shows. We are indeed doing that again today. What's special about it is we are reviewing Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Eric, you and I were up until one in the morning last night watching a movie we've been anticipating since we were three years old. Hmm. Yeah, that might be saying it a little, um, spinning it positively. Uh, I, I gotta say, once I got into the theater, I was just thinking like, yeah, it's not the same. Like when, when Force Awakens came out, I was so, I was all about it. And then when Rise of the Jedi, or Last Jedi came out, I was all about it. This movie, I mean, I was excited to see it, but it just, it didn't have the same, uh, anticipation that it's had before. And maybe that kind of, slanted how I feel about this movie, but then I'm also seeing what everyone else is saying about it, and it's good to know that I, that I feel the same way, in that this movie was a disappointment on so many levels. But, um, yeah, yeah I don't know, what, what were your initial reactions to this film? How did you feel about it? And now that we've had uh, a little over 12 hours to digest it. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that it was universally not as good as it needed to be when I went to Whole Foods today and struck up a conversation with a a Gen Wire. He must have been like 18 years old. We were talking about Star Wars and he said, yeah, it's the worst reviewed movie since Phantom Menace in the Star Wars series. I'm like, yeah, that, that about does it. Um, kind of two words sum up this entire movie. Well, three words. It's a mess. And it's hot garbage. There we go. Hot garbage and a mess. Yeah. yeah. It, um, the dumpster fire starts early. They don't, they didn't, we're gonna just jump into this. Some yeah, of let's this just is go a, to first, yeah. This is straight off the psyche. This is, you know, it's gonna be, you know, freewheeling here. It, they, it took about a half hour to 45 minutes before they gave me a, some reasons to start to like the movie. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. It was just moving so fast to try to make up for the disconnect that Last Jedi plopped in everybody's laps. And I knew that I, this was movie was not going to be what I wanted it to be when I started to long for Last Jedi. About two-thirds into the movie, I'm like, you know what, I think I would have taken Ryan Johnson's episode nine. I don't... And there are reasons why this movie was bad. And we'll get into some specifics. There was a place, just to give some benefit of the doubt, it started to reach the sweet spot for this movie in the middle and towards the two-thirds mark when it started to do some things that I was hoping it would start off doing from the beginning, but then the ending occurs. And so just in a in a nutshell, what I didn't like about it is it was way too rushed. Um, it suffers from the things that we think this movie was going to suffer from, and that is there's such a disconnect between Episode 7 and Episode 8 
that they had to try and smooth some things over at the beginning of this movie mm-hmm. uh, to reset the shelf a little bit. At least that's what I think they were trying to do. But it just moved so fast that, and it was so herky-jerky that I literally, quite literally, don't remember a lot of the, the first part of it, and I don't think it felt very important. And I don't think that's the way you want to start a Star Wars movie. I think you always want to start a Star Wars movie pulling you in with some engaging initial scene. Mm-hmm. Actually, they try to do that, but by doing that, they set up such a... They do that because they have... This is going to be spoiler-laden, right, Eric? We're going to jump full into spoiler Yeah, let's just say spoiler alert now so that we can just talk freely because, I mean, there's a lot to say in this in this, in this about this film. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to say my next thing because I've, I've said pretty much it's a mess. It's rushed. Um, parts of it I liked, but then parts of it outweigh what I liked. And so that's kind of my initial take in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to agree with you on just about all of that. I think the best way I can describe it is it's just a vomit sandwich of Star Wars. Uh, it's literally just everything that you've ever eaten. Or, you know, if, if Star Wars was food, you just eat all of it, and then you get sick, and then you just vomit it all up, and that is what this movie is. It's just like, it, it, it at once resembled a good Star Wars movie, but it's just all destroyed and half-digested, and honestly, I felt like this was a Michael Bay movie more than anything. The way that they just rushed through everything. There was, like, no character development. They just couldn't wait to get to the next action scene or the next lightsaber battle. There were, like, five lightsaber duels in this movie, which is, you'd think that'd be a good thing, but by the time they're actually, like, on the the Death Star, it's just like, I don't, like, oh, wow, another lightsaber battle. Like, how the heck is Kylo finding her so damn quickly? And, yeah, I agree with you. The first 30 minutes of this film is just so rushed. And it starts in the first scene where, you know, they where they start off, which is, I guess, spoilers, where Kylo essentially finds Emperor Palpatine on his uh, uh, hidden planet called Exegol or something like that, which, A, is a really stupid name for a planet. <laughs> that was that was the first thing. I was like, wait, so Exegol's going to be the key planet, to, like, the hideout for the Palpatine, and it's, like, the dumbest name I've ever heard. And that. I'm like, great, because now I'm going to have to hear them say this planet's name, like, 20 more times. <laughs> and it's just like... Oh, hey, look, the Emperor is not only back, but he's in physical form, and he's hiding. It looks like he's hiding, and it's just so... Uh, I was like, all right, well, I guess they're going to have no explanation for... Maybe they'll explain how Emperor Palatine came back, and... I don't know. It was just... It was rushed. I just remember 30 minutes into this movie, I was just thinking, like, this feels like a 30-minute episode, like a TV show, where they don't have time to really set up characters or really have a, a plot that unfolds slowly. They're just rushing through all of it because they know they only have 30 minutes of, sh- of airtime. And yeah. like, that's, that's, to- <laughs> that's just how I felt. And it just like, but then that, that pace doesn't slow. Like, it slows down at points, but it's never slow enough. And then something else happens and it's just back into action fighting and people yelling and little yeah. one liner jokes that are not really funny. Yeah. And, yeah, that's 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 kind of my initial reaction is that it just wasn't wasn't well thought out. It was rushed. It really just so it felt a lot like the end the last season of Game of Thrones where basically they just wanted to finish this film and get it over with. 
and they didn't really care about explaining any kind of these, any of these plot devices. They didn't want to explain uh, how these characters got there or what's or where these force powers came from. They just wanted to show you and get it over with, and that's that's really sad, and that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, they do it. So some of the I'm going to continue on the bad fest here. Um, they try to set up this kind of scavenger hunt slash night at the museum Star Wars variety, <laughs> and so they they find this old Sith saber, like a small sword, and that's got stuff inscripted on it. They introduce this little pyramid thing, and there's only two of them. I can't remember what that thing was called. Sith Wayfinder. Thank you, the Sith Wayfinder. Um, thank thank God there would be two of them, or else we wouldn't have had a movie. No, I mean you had to have two of those MacGuffins floating around. And the problem with those things is, number one, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fracture off of my point here, which is going to be great podcasting, listening to this later. But is the problem with that is, and one of the big problems in this movie is there was no coherent narrative or any mm-hmm. sense of rule <laughs> in any yeah. of it. Like, you have to establish rules in any movie. Like, because we need to know how to look at what we're seeing. We have to be able to digest it and organize it. And when there's no rules, <laughs> and then when they do have a rule that they hold on to, you're like, oh, why'd you hold on to that rule? <laughs> so, like, at the end, Palpatine gets all this power, and he's shooting all this. He's got so much of that electricity off his finger power, the, you know, the force electricity stuff, that he can literally take out thousands of ships at once. Mm-hmm. So he points all that power at Ray, and you know what stops electricity from the fingertips of a Sith Lord? You know what it is, Eric, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a lightsaber. I think we've done this before. <laughs> yes. And guess what happens? That lightsaber stops it. <laughs> You're like, not there. <laughs> no, not there. That, that's just too much power. Like, And they had to do that because there was really no other option. You already discarded, you know, spoilers all over the place. Kylo, you know, is bad and he's trying to to get Rey to be on his side and that happens for most of the movie and by the end they're on the same side and Palpatine kind of discards Kylo pretty easily or Ben, I should say Ben Skywalker. So it's just Rey versus Palpatine. So that sword has to stop the... It has to stop it at that point. But one of the problems is that there's just such a an incoherent trackable set of rules here and they introduced so many new the other thing that I didn't like and I know they had to do it because there's no other way to do it people just popped up out of nowhere all over the place in this movie and you just kind of assume that it's some kind of mystical force thing like oh the force brought Han Solo back or the force brought so and so and yes Han Solo does come back and have a conversation with Um, but that kind of bothered me too Although with the force, it's kind of on my cuff and you can do anything as long as you can do it. <laughs> you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Uh, but I think the movie suffers from that. So I'm kind of hitting some points here that I didn't like. Those kinds yeah. of things. I mean, I kind of agree with you where the second act of the film was the best part because it actually took time to slow down and kind of not necessarily explain things, but kind of go in depth with kind of Ray's journey and her trying to figure out who she is and Kylo trying to uh, kind of be the dark the dark force on her shoulder kind of goad her to go uh, become a Sith. And then they finally have that great confrontation on the Death Star uh, or the ruins of the Death Star, which is 
probably, I, I think, the best part of the film. And then it's setting up this final act, which I've just been waiting for, because I know it's going to be this huge space battle that they've been previewing that's going to be, at le- you know, at the very least, it's going to be fun. You know, I, I've seen yeah. epic space battles like this, and I always love it when just all the ships come together, and it's just one giant space force fighting another, and they ruined it. Because, you, you do, first of all, the worst part about it was that essentially, um, Ray finds out where Emperor Palpatine's hiding, so she takes Luke's X-Wing there, um, and she tells the rebels how to find it. So, the rebels kinda just jump in, and they're, and, but they're a small force, they're gonna get decimated, so they're waiting for the cavalry to come. And, it was just so poorly done. That it was basically like it was a, a huge ripoff of uh, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, in which you know Gandalf comes to save um, what is it, the Gondorians or the Gondors? No, not Gondor. The Rohans, the Rohirrim from uh, Helm's Deep. But then you don't see like I can't. The, the space battle cuts so much, and there's no coherent actual battle that you can't enjoy it because you're. Yeah. It's like. I feel like I'm in like like a like a like a space shuttle that's just spinning and spinning and spinning and you can't actually tell what any one scene is happening. And then they cut back to Ray's Ray and Kylo story when they're fighting uh Emperor Palpatine and it really just made it, it, it a confusing mess. And then on top of that, the plot itself was convoluted in which Ray was supposed to kill the Emperor so that she he could st- take her life force and essentially live a forever and she becomes the the new Sith Lord or some something stupid like that. And then she doesn't and then get and then getting to your point with the force lightning and she were she deflects it with her lightsaber. It's like first of all, he was using that light that, that lightning power to destroy the entire rebel fleet. Like he was using it to kill thousands of people at once and he and he can't use it to, to defeat one person. And then on top of that, this has already happened. This happened with Mace Windu in the sequels. Like, he should remember, oh, wait, yeah, lightsabers deflect lightning. Maybe I should try something else. Right. Like, he's a smart guy. He he also had, like, 20 guards defending him. With, and, like, hey, how about one of you shoot this, shoot Ray and make it a lot easier. And it's... You know what? It's I'll not, make it, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, like, this is a movie you could nitpick to death. And it, 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 it's almost unpickable because it would take you forever. And yeah, yeah, right, literally right. everything about this film is, um, like pick on something you said earlier, which I thought is a really good observation. So comparing this to Lord of the Rings, you remember the Fellowship of the Rings that last, the mm-hmm. big battles at the end of Fellowship of the Rings? Mm-hmm. And you felt this inertia and tension build as there's waves upon waves of quote-unquote the good side and the bad side entering the battle and it just increased the intensity of that battle that's not what this is like this is the exact opposite of it it's they don't set up the tension very well anywhere in the film and i think it if we're if we were to broaden the lens and not get too caught in the minutiae because the closer you look at the at the minutiae in this film the more problems you have like it doesn't matter what rabbit hole you stick your head in. You're not going to like what you see. It's just <laughs> it's just not good. Just so, don't ask questions because you're not going to like the answers. You're not going to like the answers. 
So you pull back out, like, well, maybe from an elevated perspective, this might mm-hmm. make more sense. The problem is when you elevate out, you don't, you really have problems with a trackable narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably where this film suffers. You would think, well, what is the most general statement you could say that, about this film? And we should probably give a, a, li- a very quick summary of the story. I'll do that. I'll give a quick summary, and Eric, you can jump in if I need any, miss anything big. Mm-hmm. So they need to establish that there's somebody evil to fight. So they do that in the beginning. Kylo Ren uh, finds the Sith Wayfinder. He goes to Palpatine, confronts Palpatine with the thought of killing Palpatine because he, Kylo Ren, wants to be the most powerful in the universe, and Palpatine is a threat to that. So Palpatine says that he's been running everything from behind, and he was behind Snoke, and Snoke did his bidding, and Snoke fought Kylo Ren well, and all that nonsense. So then Kylo Ren leaves, and he goes to find Rey, because he's been charged by Palpatine to kill Rey, and Kylo actually has another goal in mind. He still wants to team up with Rey, but this time he wants to team up with Rey so he can take down Palpatine. That is the story. So, like, if they could have really coalesced the movie more around that, it would have been probably pretty compelling. Um, but they get into some weeds. They go to a rebel. Let's see, where do we go from here? So they go to a rebel base. They have to go on this mission to find another way to find Palpatine because they find out through some kind of communication that Palpatine's alive and now they have another threat on their hands. So Ray and the Rebellion have to find a way to get to Palpatine. And, of course, Ray is determined to be the one to confront Palpatine and, and do away with them. So that puts them on this journey of trying to find the way to Palpatine. And that's where the, the um, scavenger hunt begins. They find a Sith sword. They find the other Sith Wayfinder. It leads to the Death Star that's been decimated and on some planet. I can't remember where it is. And that's where Kylo Ren and Rey fight. And then it ends up with the ending battle at the very end. And they're, well, wait a minute. I skipped the whole part of this. <laughs> I skipped that part where they go to that planet and there's that lady whose name I can't remember with the red helmet and the yellow and the red, the red suit and the, in the gold helmet. What's her yeah. name? It's Zara? Like- yeah, Zara is, yeah, so she's like a bounty hunter, and she knows uh, Poe from back in the day, because apparently Poe was a spiced runner, which is essentially he was a drug dealer before he came into the Alliance. So they pull her in, um, and basically they have to, this is where one of the upsides of the movie scenes shows up, is where C-3PO mm-hmm. is, provides some comedic relief, and they have to put they, see, one of the jobs that this film has to do is put some characters to bed and has to raise up new characters that we'll mm-hmm. be interested in because they want to make these movies for now until the end of time. Sure. So that red-suited, gold-headed character <laughs> is interesting enough, um, but then they have they run into some this little creature that has to try to get the... So C-3PO has red the encryption on the Sith sword and he needs to pull that information off so they can track it and get to the to Palpatine, essentially. So, I got caught in the weeds there, but it's so easy to do with this movie. Um, that is kind yeah. of the story of this movie. What did I miss? So, yeah, so the, the the character's name was Zori. Zori Bliss. It's played by Carrie Russell and she's like just a bounty hunter, essentially, and 
she she has almost literally no role in this film other than to be a Mary Sue, and she just essentially is like the key to help them get off of that planet. Um, I guess yeah, taking a a, a kind of uh, macro view of the plot is there is Emperor Palpatine has this secret uh, fleet which is like very much canon. That's something that definitely like Star Wars fans would like because that's something that's been established in Legends and it, it, it there was a way they could have done it right. And they failed because they just showed Palpatine right off the bat. They were just like in the first 2 minutes of this film it was Kylo is already on the, it, he's on this journey to find the, the Palpatine but then he just finds him. And there's just no there's no mystery to it. There's no like, he's a ghost, or he's behind the shadows, he's like, oh, no, wait, there he is, in physical form, and he looks like a zombie, but I guess he's alive somehow. And then uh, Emperor Palpatine tasks Kylo with killing Rey, but Kylo doesn't actually want to kill Rey, he wants to, yeah, join forces to destroy the Emperor. The em- First of all, the Emperor definitely knew that. There's no way the Emperor thought that uh, Kylo was ever going to kill Rey. Because his actual plan was to get Kylo to bring Rey to her, to him, so that he could essentially possess Rey to become the new emperor or empress. But then that doesn't make any sense when you really think about it, because what happens if Kylo just kills her? Or what happens if he just never finds her? Then what, then what does he do? Or, but, oh, but then he knew because he can see into the future, but then he must have seen that she was never going to actually turn and go to the dark side. And that's, like, on a macro level, that's the biggest problem with this film, is that there's a scene when they're on the Death... Not the Death Star, the, the, the Star Destroyer, Kylo's, like, flagship, and he's, like, talking to the Emperor. He's like, don't worry, I'll find her. He's like, you better. And it's like, no one believes that he's actually going to find her. And... Just, yeah, so there was there was that. That was just, that was just a mess. What did, uh, think, what did you think about this, Eric? So one of the most con- there's there's several really controversial things that happened in this film, in my opinion. So I'm going to pick on one of them. So so you know we've said it enough, but spoilers you know abound here. What it turns out is is that Rey is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. Yes. So we all wondered how she had so much power because she did, like from the beginning when she was able to lift that lightsaber in her hand. And actually go toe to toe with Kylo Ren in mm-hmm. Force Awakens, and Kylo has been training, and he's a Skywalker. So anybody who's ever done any research on the Star Wars universe, and they put together all these lists that are that are sanctioned and affirmed by Lucas, George Lucas, you know, the strongest Jedi's of all time, the strongest Sith Lords of all time. Like these Skywalker people are at the top of the, this list, <laughs> and yeah. she. <laughs> is able to easily confront Kylo and gets the better of him with no training. So you're like, she's got some powers here, folks. And so that's why. It's because she's the granddaughter of Palpatine. And so so there's two things connected to that. I'll wait for the other one. Well, I'll say it because I'll forget it. The yeah. other By the end of the movie... Ben Skywalker and Ray kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud because in my heart, I'm like, no, don't. <laughs> I face I was just like, oh god, yeah, they just did it. And some people were cheering in the film, or in this, in the, uh, in the state, in the stands, in the theater. And I was like, people, you just don't understand. They, this was so unearned and stupid. 
Um, which actually, surprisingly, is one of the... I actually, it, thinking about it today, was actually kind of a good thing. Okay. One of the good parts of the movie, surprisingly. Because it did sort of work, and it did kind of cement their arcs. Whereas they've always been, you know, bonded through this weird force bond. And, you know, it wasn't so much like, oh, they're going to fall in love and live happily ever after. It was just like, yeah, they've been together throughout this whole trilogy. It was a nice little, like, goodbye kiss, essentially. Because right after that, then Kylo essentially dies. He, yeah. I mean, he he disappears the way Luke did. And, well, so... The reason why I hated it in the moment was with the kiss was that just before that, uh, Palpatine and Rey were dueling, and Rey was using all the power of a thousand generations of Jedi to defeat the Emperor, and the Emperor was using a thousand generations of the Sith to defeat Rey, and so it was a it was a real like um, I- I- iconoclash of these two pillars of ideology in Star Wars, and in theory they should balance each other out. There's no way either they should be able to defeat each other. So, I there was two ways they could have done that. They could have done, they're basically a stalemate where they keep fighting but neither can defeat the other. Or they did what they did, which I actually liked, in which they both died. In which Palpatine dies. He actually melts, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. And then Rey actually dies. And I was like, oh, good. That makes sense. She dies, she gets to sacrifice herself to save the galaxy, and that's the heroic sacrifice of the last Jedi, and she faced her fears and all this good stuff. And then Kylo, who's been redeemed, gets to come back up and essentially, not even take on the mantle, but he gets to be the sole survivor. And then he, early in the film, several times early in the film, Rey mysteriously finds this power where she can heal any wound. She heals the wound of this giant worm, and then she basically heals Kylo's wound, which is essentially a um, a death wound, because he gets, he gets stabbed in the gut with a lightsaber. She describes it as she's giving some of her force to that person to save their life. Okay, fine. That makes sense. She's not mortally wounded. She's dead. <laughs> and, like, there's only one type of force power that brings people back to life. And it's a Sith power that's been that's been very well established in the prequels. So yet they use it here, and he essentially Kylo essentially gives his life force to bring Rey back to life, which kills him. And as noble as that is, it's been established in canon that that is a very Sith power to have. That this is something that Yoda talks about in the entire prequel trilogies is that death is not an ending. It's okay when people you love die because. They get to, you know, live off in this other form. They start the next journey of their life. And instead, they bring Rey back to life because it's a Disney movie. You can't have your main heroine die. And I'll say what's convoluted about that is he, Ben, Kylo transitions back to being Ben Skywalker about two two thirds of the way through this. Arguably the best part of the movie. Sorry. Yeah, arguably. Yep, absolutely. So you're on, you know, that emotional scene with Kylo and Rey, the sword fight, and then Leia speaks to Ben and calls him out. Um, Rey takes advantage of Kylo's not paying attention to the sword battle, stabs him through the stomach with the lightsaber. She spares his life and puts some of her life force into him and, and heals him so he doesn't die. And then Kylo has a moment with Han Solo, who comes back as kind of a force ghost, and... And from there on, 
Kylo becomes Ben Skywalker. So now he's transitioned to a Jedi, right? Yeah. So now at the end of the movie, when he uses the the power of the Sith Lord to raise Rey from the dead, you might say to yourself, well, he what? Wasn't he a Sith for the whole time? Well, it was never established that he was actually a Sith, for one. But for two, he's supposed to have made this transition over to being a Jedi. So that just doesn't make sense. Like, it's just like the continuity of that. And that felt so, um, the ending of it felt so unearned. Like, yes. You had this concept that was being, and there, there's so, this is complex, you guys. So as we're talking about, just understand there's a lot to talk about here because they shove so much into this movie. It was established towards the three fourths into it with a discussion between Kylo and Ray that if they were to come together, they would be able to bond and have enough power and energy to face Palpatine and take him down. That's the idea, right? So they get to Palpatine, they bond, but Palpatine says, oh, great, now I can take all of your life force and now I can be restored to health. (laughs) It turns out they actually couldn't. Their bond was just food for him. Yeah, so he ate off of their energy and was restored to complete power. And you're like, oh, wow, that was bad. Um, <laughs> Kylo gets thrown down into this pit to die, and then Ray is left to fight Palpatine, and you know, and then we're kind of back to the ending. It was such a flip flop that they needed to actually watch more WWE wrestling <laughs> because <laughs> there's a way to do this. Yes, where you feel like one person is winning for a while and the other one's losing. You have to have you have to lean into that a little bit. They don't lean into it enough, so. It just is goofy. Yeah, and it's 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 just like you said, it's unearned. And the reason why they, I like the kiss, it just by itself, is because it did solidify their arc throughout the entire trilogy. Is that they had this very unique and special bond, and there was definitely clearly like romantic overtones. And they, she finally like accepts him, and he finally accepts her as like Ben and Ray, and you know that actually. That worked. Everything else around it did not work. And the problem, the reason why it's unearned is because you just sat through two and a half hours of garbage and them literally not giving two craps about anything in this film. And that, that is why it kind of fell flat. And it's honestly fine that Kylo died. Like it, it, I would much rather have him kiss her and die than have him like kiss her and then have it be a, ha- uh, uh, what is it? a happy ending in which they right. go off and make little Jedi Sith babies and they start their own little Jedi order. <laughs> that, Cause that would have been the perfect Disney ending. And I'm actually happy they didn't do that. They, they at least killed one of them. Um, but on top of that, like, so they have this force bond, which I guess is an actual, is a, is a, its own life force, uh, separate from their individual life forces. Okay. Okay, that has never been established, <laughs> but it makes sense because now Emperor, the Emperor can can take that that life force and bring himself to full power without killing Kylo or Rey. Okay, that makes sense as a plot device. Okay, but then the is that the only thing that connected them? Like, is that what connects any two people to fall in love or to be together? Is this weird life force bond or? Should they actually not really care about each other anymore? You know, it's just nothing was explained in this film, and they just wanted to throw things out there, and that's That's ultimately what made me sick about uh, sick of this film. 
I think you're like as we're unpacking this, we're starting to recognize the things that they were trying to do that mm-hmm. could have worked if they would have been able to spend more time establishing some of these these some of, I guess I keep calling them rules, but they're kind of a way to look at what we're seeing unfold in front of us because for many of us our exposure to Star Wars are the films. It's not that we're not reading all the extended universe books. We're not reading a bunch of comic books. Um, we probably half attention wise watch cartoons while we're watching kids. And so we don't necessarily dive into too much of, of the lore of all of this. Mm-hmm. My thought is that a lot of this is established in the extended universe, expanded universe in all the literature. But when you only get a movie every two years, it just comes at you as oh wow another thing like these these two characters are so powerful compared to your old school Jedi and Sith they really are like Ray at one point stops a spaceship with her hand <laughs> and so does Kylo though so they're pulling on this spaceship together nobody had the power to do any of that so they that's probably another thing to kind of um I guess pay attention to is that they've decided to turn the volume up 10 times on the powers of the force users in this. And the same thing, Palpatine, he could shoot that little lightning and kill some people with it, but he wasn't taking down like starships with it in the original trilogy and nor, nor was Dooku doing it in the prequels. Um, so then when you get to this one and he's shooting out the energy and literally that is like lightning, thick bolts of lightning that are like targeting all, you know, thousands of spaceships at once. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're taught. Like that's different. It's new. It's amped up. Um, the healing factor is amped up. The, uh, the way that they can not only see each other when they're in different places, but they can literally take a lightsaber from mm-hmm. someone who's in two different spots. Yes. Like that's new. Right. To me, it's new. <laughs> like they, you know, they they foreshadowed it, I guess, in the, the Last Jedi. Uh, but yeah, they can like take physical objects, and that that actually becomes one of the good parts of the film because they have sort of some cinematic um, fun and trickery with, uh, like when when she is in his like quarters and looking at Darth Vader's helmet, and he is talking to her on a planet trying to figure out where she is, and they kind of just fighting, and stuff gets getting transported from one from one from her space to his space. Like, that was actually kind of cool. That was, like, cinematically, like, cool. Yeah. And and then it culminated at the end in which she essentially uses that to give him a lightsaber to kill the Knights of Ren. Like, that was a that was a pretty powerful moment. I was like, oh, this is actually making me feel something. It's cool. Their, their force bond is really paying off at the end. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess, I guess this that actually should tra- help me transition to at least talk about some of the things I actually liked about this film. Yeah. Because there were some things I liked, and definitely the force bond that they had was still the best part of this film, and really this entire trilogy, is that it was prefaced in Force Awakens where they just had this weird, un- unspoken, unexplained bond. And it's like, all right, the, that's, that's, that's the force. It's mysterious, and they're connected for reasons we don't understand. And in the second one, they expanded on it and made it this really cool like dialogue setup where the two of them can kind of just talk to each other and have this dichotomy of um, ideologies and they can kind of like bait the other and 
or like try and uh, convince, the, persuade the other to go to come to their way of thinking. And then in this one, it was essentially the same thing. The only thing I didn't like about it was how Kylo essentially became Jason Voorhees throughout the second act of the film, in which he's literally just stalking Rey, and he just catches her and shows up behind her literally out of nowhere. Like, when he shows up on the Death Star, like, how the hell did he get there so fast? It makes, it makes, how did he find her? How did he know that she was on, he was on that planet and get there that fast? How come it's just him? What, he, every other time he's come with the entire First Order, how come it's just him this time? And that was the problem with, with that, but it was still emotionally powerful. It was still cinematically, um, cool and interesting. Um, yeah, another sure. thing, getting back to, uh, uh, that scene you're talking about where she's like force pulling the spaceship and he's, he's actually force pushing the spaceship. That was probably one of the best moments in the film because what happens is they capture Chewbacca, which that was lame, but they captured him and they put him on this transport ship. And so Ray is trying to force pull it back so that Chewbacca doesn't go away and Ray's trying to, or Kylo's trying to force push it away. And it really just encapsulates their struggle. Where one's trying to pull so- pull someone towards them, and he's trying to push them away, and then she is trying so hard she uses the she accidentally uses force lightning and blows up the transport. And you'd think, oh my god, she just killed Chewbacca! Like, right. like it was just an emotional stab in my heart. Where it was just this entire movie, I just was like, this movie sucks. Like, I'm I'm turning like my brain is turning off. Like they're just literally just going through the motions, and it's just a movie you know, hot garbage. And then they just kill Chewbacca. And you're like, oh crap, this is what this movie needed was some actual stakes where someone you love dies. And it really, it really shows like, it was really going to show that Ray was going to have to sacrifice. The rebels were going to have to lose a lot of people that they loved and cared about in order to save the galaxy and bring balance to the force or whatever. And then they completely undo it by saying Chewie's actually alive, who's on a different transport ship. So, one of the best parts of the movie they ruined within five minutes after they did it. And that really, really just pissed me off more than anything. Yeah. I was like, I get it, you can't kill Chewie, but are you, are you making your own Chewbacca TV show? If not, why the hell is he still alive? Like, who cares? Chewbacca's a good, a good character and everyone loves him, and his death would have had so much meaning to this film. And instead, they just completely reneged on it within ten minutes. That's a that's an actually a really really good point. All of that, I think that in the middle to the three fourths of the movie, there's like a twenty five twenty five percent of this movie hits a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And the problem that they you run into with it is they they either quickly undo something that is really cool, <laughs> or you start to think about the thing that you thought was really cool for a little bit and you realize hmm that's really not as cool as <laughs> it could be and like the idea of um of her maybe transitioning to the dark side mm-hmm. and they lean into that a little bit because she's yeah. starting to show more emotion and more anger and it shows up in her fighting like she is just recklessly swinging her lightsaber around and just swinging it to to kill um against kylo and against in, in these battles, and it culminates, like, right, not culminates, but right before Kylo and Rey have this duel on the Death Star, she goes into this area of the, de- of the old wreckage of the Death Star, and she finds the Sith Wayfinder, and she sees 
a version of herself who be, who had become the empress. The empress. Yeah. And we all kind of, well, I kind of predicted that, but... Well, I want to every, say it, that was something that you predicted, and so kudos to you for getting the right call. I did predict it, but having said that, they threw so much into this sink <laughs> that uh, pretty much anything you may have predicted could have possibly potentially been right in this film, but I thought that was a cool part of the of the film. Um, when she saw the evil version of herself, I thought that was pretty cool. I want to say the next scene where the fight in the Death Star, I want to talk about it because it was also one of the best scenes that was kind of ruined because... So what happens is at, directly after that scene, she has the Wayfinder, and then like Jason Voorhees, Kylo just shows up behind her, takes the Wayfinder, and destroys it. So yeah. then Rey is just filled with rage and hate, and she's using it to just fight Kylo. And the fight, the battle goes on. It just keeps going, and you kind of realize that Kylo's not really trying that hard, that he can tell how pissed off she is, that she's just wearing herself out, and... It was actually the best labor lightsaber fight because she is just just wailing and just getting tired and tired and even the movie's like yeah we're just gonna keep doing this but it culminates in Leia kind of sensing that she needs to sacrifice herself to reach out to Ben um, so she like Kylo's about to kill Rey essentially and Leia kind of calls out to him which causes him to hesitate and. Uh, Ray uses that has that moment to kill Kylo essentially, but then she, that's like that like cements that she is gonna be on the dark side that he that she becomes that she's on the path to becoming the new Empress, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah. then like like that's the way it should be. Like she made a choice. She acted out in her anger, her rage, and her hate. And because of that, the co- there should be consequences. The consequence should be that Kylo is dead. Leia, right. is, Leia is dead. And she's going to have to live with that for the rest of her life. But then they instantly just destroy it by, by having her sense that Leia dies. So all that anger and hate goes away, and she instantly becomes good Rey again. And then she just totally... F- and then she force heals Kylo. And it's like, so what was the point of all that? Kylo's not dead. I guess Leia kind of just died, but that was whatever. That was supposed to happen. And it just, it really ruined it. And on top of that, Kylo, this entire film, has been just laser focused on killing all the Jedi, on killing Palpatine, and becoming the most powerful Sith and ruling the galaxy. And all of a sudden, he just snaps out of it and becomes good because his mom dies. Which, okay, if this was The Last Jedi, that would have made a lot more sense. Because the whole point of the first two films, or one of the big arcs of the first two films, was Kylo struggling with does he want to be Kylo Ren or Ben um, Skywalker. And if this was The Last Jedi, it would have been the perfect chance for him to, to become Ben Skywalker again. Except by the third film, that's done. Like, yeah. he has murdered so many people. One of the first scenes of the film is him literally murdering an entire tribe of these aliens. And just, like, he's killed thousands of people. There really should be no redemption for Kylo. Like, it's too late for him, man. He's murdered so many people. But instead, that becomes such a central linchpin of this film that I hated it. And it just made me sad, even though that was one of the best scenes in the film. 
in just to be this will be the one area I might contradict you on. Mm-hmm. I agreed with everything you said, but then the next scene he has that very conversation with Han Solo, and I actually like that because um, he says to Han Solo, "I'm irredeemable. I mm-hmm. I've done too many bad things. I am a bad person, and uh, there's no saving me." Was basically the point. Mm-hmm. And Han is telling him, you know, telling him different. Like basically, we do this all the time. We work with children, and we yeah. work with people who were. No matter how bad their morning went, <laughs> you're trying to get to some place that they were like, you know what? If you just make a good choice right now, you can turn your whole morning around, right? <laughs> yeah, and of course these are eight-year-old kids, and you know this is Kylo is, you know, an adult and he's killed people and everything else. But that was mainly Han's point. Like, if you just make a good choice right now, you can go back to being Ben. And yeah. I don't give up. I don't give up on you. And I. I like that as a theme mm-hmm. because I think people need that. Like, mm-hmm. I know this sounds really stupid, and there's some people that hate this point that I'm making here <laughs> because, you know, there is like if you're the the person who was the victim of being murdered, or your loved ones were murdered at the hands of Kylo Ren, you do not want him to have redemption, right? Like that does not work. Yeah. You need to suffer for what you did wrong. And you need to be held accountable. So, in some senses, that doesn't work. But going back to your point, I really think that if they would have tracked that out and made that happen, it would have made the film better. And what I mean is, your initial point of he kills, she, Ray kills Kylo. Mm-hmm. Kylo actually is dead. Chewbacca is actually dead. Now she goes and faces Palpatine in her rage and anger, thinking she's going to take him down. And then, Something happens there where something gets triggered, and then she just takes on Palpatine and wins. I think mm-hmm. that would have been better than dragging Kylo along because he actually felt like a tag along after that. Um, he didn't feel all that necessary at the end, in my opinion. It was kind of like Kylo's story; his arc ended when he got stabbed, and after that, he literally just became it became Ray's story after that. And their bond was essentially done. And, or the story of their bond was essentially done. But after that, it was just used as a plot device to give, uh, Palpatine his powers back. And you're right. He kind of just plods along. Honestly, it would have made more sense if he killed her and then, or, or if she killed him and then he, she carries that guilt around with her. And when she's finally facing the Emperor, she, he finds a way to forgive her. You know what I mean? Where he comes back as a force ghost, or just a voice in her head, like Ben yeah. Kenobi did in the first, uh, in Force, in A New Hope, where he's just like, I forgive you, essentially. Like, it's okay. I understand. Then she uses that to find the power to defeat the Emperor or something. And that would have made more sense. Cause then you still get Kylo to die. You still get their bond is still powerful. And Kylo, who has been just filled with anger and hate, finally is able to do one good thing, which is forgive the person that murdered him, essentially. Yeah. Oh I mean, I think God. that's what's convoluted about this. It's I, terrible. I'm, oh my I'm, God. I'm like, oh, I'm all over the place here. That's why the review is going to hopefully not fall into the trap of this movie. But I actually did like, you knew that Kylo has been not really completely convinced of the dark side. Like, 
That's been the biggest problem with his character, actually. <laughs> For me. Like, he's, you're just not convinced. Because he he's not convinced. He's not 100% convincing that he's a Sith Lord. And that's why he's not ever referenced as a Sith Lord in any of this. And that, we have problems when people aren't, like, you can't figure out exactly who they well, are, right? It was supposed to be a big thing where he ta- where he fit- he remakes his helmet to really become Kylo Ren and to really embody-, embody the Sith Lord. But then he keeps taking his helmet off and putting it back on and then taking it off and ta- putting it back. It's like, dude, what are you? It's like, we sh- this is something we should have covered in The Last Jedi. And we did cover it. He He destroyed his helmet. And then now he's going back to it. And he doesn't know what the hell he wants. And it's no. like, guess what? I don't care about this, this character if he doesn't care about it, if he doesn't know what he wants. And then they didn't really explore it. Yeah. They didn't really... Like, if that was going to be a, one of the central arcs of the movie in which Kylo is once again torn on being a good or bad person, essentially, then you need to make that more important. You need to yeah. make that part of the film. Instead, he became like the Terminator, where it's just like he has this laser focus of who he is and what he wants. And... Yeah. Then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh no! I'm remember this plot point. I'm going back to being, you know, this unsure of myself emo douchebag." And it just it it fell apart. It ruined a big part of the movie, and it mm-hmm. it's just another reason why so many points of this film didn't work for me. Another part that just to we're picking on Kylo Ren a little bit here is that when he meets Palpatine at the beginning. Like it's it's been firmly established in this universe, and they've gone away from it. So I, I understand that this is this is a gripe of, of of someone who is a fan of the originals. But when he meets Palpatine, that should have been his conversion, his complete conversion. Yeah. Like, no, I am a Sith Lord, and you are my master. Mm-hmm. And now you're when you go with determination to find Rey, it should be with power and fear like you should be like because that's what darth vader was Mm -hmm. darth vader you are not going to do well one-on-one against him in a lightsaber duel um until you know luke was had all of his powers at the very end in in jedi but in this one you didn't get that sense he was still conflicted even after being with palpatine Mm -hmm. so that that doesn't work like you don't have the master and the, the apprentice thing going on you don't have a convinced Kylo Ren of who he is. Instead, he's still convoluted, and so then the all it all falls apart. And then when you when you go to the other side of it, let's say that they did decide to kill Kylo there mm-hmm. on the Death Star. Well, then you just wasted this whole Bond narrative that you've been developing between the two of them for the <laughs> last two movies, <laughs> because now you have to find a way to transfer that over to Ray. And mm-hmm. make that meaningful, and I think that it, that would have failed too, though, because the Force Ghost thing I don't think would have been all that convincing, and it would have been hard to track that narrative. And mm-hmm. that's that's really one of the problems with this film; it just gets really splintered. Um, so we've been talking for a while; we're coming kind of close to the end of our time here. We should probably find a way to um, to closing thoughts and ratings. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. That's that's. So I want to talk about m- this more. Yeah. Um, maybe in a future episode we can either do kind of a an overview of Star Wars, the, this this new trilogy, and kind of how we thought of the trilogy as a whole, or maybe we can do um 
like a looking back on the Rise of Skywalker, how we feel about it, you know, a few months from now or something. Um, but yeah, so final thoughts is this movie failed spectacularly on so many levels. It's unfulfilling, unrewarding. Um, I'm just done by the end of it. Like they try and have those feel good moments, whether it's they show, whether it's Lando coming back with the whole fleet or it's Chewbacca getting the medal at the end of the movie or it's Ray taking the Skywalker name, becoming the last Skywalker, the rise of the Skywalkers. Um, I just didn't care by the end. It was just, it, I was just defeated and I was sick of this film and I'm done. Like I can't, I can't do another Star Wars film like for a long time. And because of that, I'm giving this movie a three out of 10. Like there were good parts of it. There were a few times where I liked the story or some plot points or I liked some scenes. Um, but overall it was a hot mess that just made me hate Star Wars, which I hate myself for hating Star Wars. And that's why I hate this film. Yeah. Well stated. Um, I will <laughs> say that <laughs> the biggest problem with this film is the apathy I felt at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this was, this film did not win me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was not a payoff. And that's a crime. Like, if the one thing that they needed to get right was Ray, and you convolute her character by making her a Palpatine, by making her the dark, her battle with the dark, and all that would have made sense, all that could have been felt and would have felt earned if they would have owned parts of the storyline as we covered at nausea in this review, but they don't. So they start, stop, start, stop. Start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, stop, stop. Is this actually the end? And then, oh, that's it. Okay. But by that time, you just don't care. And yep. that's the mark of a bad story. Um, the, the story has to have tractable narratives. You need to have rules that people can follow uh, because then you don't know the trick in there because the rules are all over the place. So then mm-hmm. when you the, everything's all over the place, you really don't know where the meaning sits in anything, and that's what it feels like at the end of the day. It was rushed. Um, they would have probably been better off as a movie. I knew I was in trouble when two-thirds of the way into this movie, I was longing for Last Jedi. Yeah. I was I was longing for Ryan Johnson's version of, of this film. And at least then I would have known what they were trying to do in the film itself. And with this, you don't get that. I have no interest in future stories. I don't care about any of the characters they introduce. I don't, I don't know anywhere that they would go with this, with this franchise that would be interesting to me. And that's coming from somebody who is waited out in front of theaters two and a half hours early. <laughs> the last, for episode seven, eight, and nine, by the way, last night I was pretty early. Um, and now, you know, heading into whatever they're going to be doing next with this next trilogy, I have absolutely no interest. So, Oh, I I can't even. This is like a. This is not an incomplete. This is like a a failing grade. I'll like if we do pass fail. This is a fail. Um. So, and my yeah, it's a fail. It's just pass. If it's pass fail, this fail. Um. So I want to see. I want to see it three, four more times, and maybe with if maybe I'll have a different feeling. I don't know. I want. 
I want to know if I can force myself to like this movie if I see it like five more times. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I want, I, I do wonder if it's possible. I do wonder that as well. Um, that's the one part of, that's like a 10% left inside of me. It's like, you know what? What if you watch this a few more times and you start to really enjoy it? Like Last Jedi, I've watched four or five times since the first time I saw it. And it actually gets better and better, but it's actually more and more trackable the more you watch it. Oh, I get what they're doing. <laughs> um, but in this one, whoa, I don't know. Um, so that's it. That is our review of Heroes Garage. Mm-hmm. Um, we Star- will have a, we'll do another. <laughs> I know. Actually, oh my goodness. See, I'm so convoluted. I don't even know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, now we're all just confused in our head now. It's just everything is everywhere. Nothing matters anymore. What's the point of living? This has been Heroes Garage and our review of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker.